You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com right now. Use the promo code Locked On and get 20% off on your next order. On the show today, we have some Nationals news as, as they've signed Yasmani Tomas to a minor league deal. We also talk about Theo Epstein leaving the Cubs. And then I've got some thoughts on uh, kind of the offseason right now to kind of go along with what we said yesterday on the show with Dan Wilson about uh, the NBA and NFL having much more exciting off-seasons than the MLB and kind of some thoughts around that as today is the day of the NBA draft. So hopefully uh, uh, you guys will enjoy that conversation as well. All right, let's get to it. The Nationals have made a signing. It is not one of the big signings that we hope to see or yet might see the Nationals make, but it is a signing nonetheless. The Nats have signed 30-year-old Yasmani Tomas. Uh, do you guys remember Tomas? He played for the Dimebacks. He signed a very large uh, 68.5 rather million dollar deal. It was a six-year deal that he signed back when he was 24 years old with the Diamondbacks, and things really did not materialize for him. did have that outstanding season where he hit 31 home runs in 2016. Tomas, now at the age of 30, has not played in the major leagues since 2019. He only got uh, six plate appearances then, had 180 in 17, 563 in 16. So, you know, a guy that we know has hit in the past, he's got weak defense, and, uh, you know, I think the Nationals here are just taking a flyer. Maybe things work out. I would expect to see him in kind of one of those utility roles. And look, man, buy low on this guy. And if he can give you something, give you something. You know, the Nationals hit on Josh Harrison at least last year and gave them some productivity. And guys, when I mean hit on it, I, I don't mean like, you know, an all-star. I mean, gives you productivity. You know, that's, that's what hitting on it means. This is not, guy's not going to hit 40 home runs and, you know, hit 285. That's not what they're trying to do here. If Yasmani Tomas can give them some power, which they've desperately needed, they would be grateful for that. They would really appreciate that. And for a minor league contract, it would be, you know, it's it's worth doing. Uh, with Michael A. Taylor gone, Adam Eaton's gone too. And so now the Nationals, you know, their goal is to kind of rebuild some outfield depth. And Tomas is a guy that they're going to take a flyer on. We'll see what happens. But you know, to project and act like we know what he's going to do. I would need to see him some in spring training and see what his swing looks like, see if they can get him some of that confidence back. And, uh, you know, I think guys typically do well coming to D.C. and fitting in in this winning culture. So I think it's an interesting move. Uh, I think it's one that, you know, I'm fine with it in terms of, uh, you know, what they're paying him and the opportunity there. So let's see what Tomas does. Let's see, you know, and get some reps in spring training. And I think for him, it's going to be a confidence thing, right? If they can get him confident in the field, and then if there is a DH, that's a spot where if he hits well enough, you could see him getting some repetitions at that position. And I think the more and more we look at it, the more I realize the Nationals, you know, I think it is going to be a situation where they have multiple guys DHing for them. You know, if Kendrick comes back, 
Tomas now is a guy that could potentially fit into that role if he hits well. And some days Jan Gomes could do it, depending on who else is catching. Ryan Zerman as well could do it, uh, depending on the day. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to go the full-time DH route with a guy like a Marcelo's in it. And even if you do, you could still rotate Tomas in there some on specific days. So uh, I, I think the you know the the more I think about it, unless they do make a big signing and do splash a big splash with a guy like Ozuna, I think it's going to be by committee that DH spot. And I like that because it gives you the flexibility. Of course, there are exceptions if you've got a guy like a Nelson Cruz or a uh, you know, Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense. But, you know, the options the Nationals have, it's good. It's flexibility. And for a lineup that they want to continue to build, they're in a good spot with it. Not saying Yasmani Tomas is an option, uh, you know, is an, is an answer as a DH or going to be a full-time DH or a full-time fielder or even play that many games for the Nationals. But in this spot for a guy who showed some flashes, why not take a flyer, especially if you need power and Tomas did bring some uh, a little bit, not, not too far removed. He's only 30 years old, which, I mean, still pretty young. And, you know, we know that guys can carry power relatively later into their careers. For him, it's just about getting that confidence back, seeing the ball well, trying to limit the strikeouts, uh, you know, in addition to that too. And look, the Nats tried to get some power last year with Eric Thames. It didn't work out. And so maybe this year they can get a bit more with a guy like Tomas and Maybe he's a guy who, you know, hits, uh, you know, will hit 240 and, and give you, you know, um, 20 home runs. Yeah, that Nats would appreciate every single one of those home runs as the power output was not as good this season as it could have been. So there is an opportunity there. Not sure it's going to work, but it's a noteworthy signing. A guy who had some success, signed a big contract, and uh, now at the age of 30 is looking for a new home. And once again, guys come to the Nats, they come to D.C., and they do like the culture they fit in. I'm excited to see what he can do. And if he'll get an opportunity – to, uh, to play some. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about Theo Epstein and his departure from the Cubs. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar ever made. They've got six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have the 12 originals, six with nut, six without nut, all covered in delicious chocolate. They've got coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off on your next order. Once again, that's LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, at BuiltBar.com for 20% off on your next order. Also have a chance to win a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Once again, builtbar.com promo code locked on for 20% off. All right, let's talk about Theo Epstein. And this is from ESPN. Theo Epstein, who transformed the long suffering Shiloh Cubs and uh, helped them bring a drought busting championship in 2016 is stepping down after nine seasons as the club's president of baseball operations. The team announced Tuesday that Theo Epstein is leaving and general manager Jed Hoyer is being promoted to take his place. Epstein said after the season he anticipated remaining on the job for at least one more year with his contract set to expire in 2021. Uh, he said he had said repeatedly he thinks executives have about a 10-year shelf life in a job and next year would have marked a decade since leaving the Boston Red Sox for Chicago. 
He said he is leaving uh, for a number of years. He said, quote, it became really clear that we'd uh, we'd be facing some significant long-term decisions this winter, decisions with long-term impacts. Epstein said those types of decisions are really best made by somebody who's going to be here for a long time, not just for one more year. And he said Jed is clearly that person, end quote. Uh, Tom Ricketts, chairman of the Cubs, said, quote, it was a sad day for me personally, end quote, and he called Epstein a great partner and a truly great friend. Uh, that is, you know, the article continues. You guys read more on ESPN.com. What I want to mention on this is Cubs fans had been very, they're very grateful for the championship that they won. And uh, they take, you know, they took so much pride in enjoying that. And I'm saying this as somebody who has a lot of Cubs fans uh, who they know very personally, like Corbett Koslack, you guys know on the show, uh, gigantic Cubs fan. Tyler Kading, gigantic Cubs fan, been on the show. Jimmy Frouse, been on the show, gigantic Cubs fans. Plenty of Cubs fans in my life. And the the issue for the Cubs was after 16, it felt like they were going to have a run of championship form, and they were going to have it for a few years. They narrow, I mean, then they earned that championship in 16. They narrowly won that, though. They they really did narrowly win that championship in 2016. You go forward to 2017, and they lose in uh, six games, uh, excuse me, five games, the Dodgers in the championship series. You go to 2018, you fast forward a year then. They lose in the wild card game to the Rockies. You fast forward to 2019, same story. They don't even make uh, the playoffs that year. So, this is a situation with the Cubs that was kind of uh, heading, you know, coming towards a head. And in 2020, they make the playoffs. They get knocked out by the Marlins in the playoffs. And, you know, it was not surprising because that division wasn't that good. But it was surprising just because they didn't show a whole lot of fight. And people have been questioning, you know, where does this franchise go? There's been a lot of talk of who stays, who goes, KB or Javi Baez. And they still have those questions to answer. But... It's very clear that the the run of form they thought they were going to be able to have did not occur. And, uh, you know, you felt like with each passing year, frustration was growing because other teams were passing them, right? The Nationals passed them. The Dodgers have passed them. Uh, these teams were getting over the hump routinely. Uh, the Braves have passed them. And the Cubs went from one of the preeminent powers in the National League to maybe the best team in that division, in a competitive division, but... You know, I think the Braves are still a better organization and better team. Uh, I think the Dodgers are still a better organization and better team. Organization is a bit strong. Better team is what I'll say. Dodgers are a better team. Braves are a better team. Uh, I think the Nationals, when they're at their best, are a better team. I think the um, you know the Marlins proved themselves to be a better team this season, at least. And I, I like the long-term outlook of those teams because I think the attitude around them is a bit more a positive one. While the Nationals had a rough season, uh, and they had a, a very challenging season, there is, uh, you know, there there is a lot to be said about the championship pedigree in 2019 and how um, not reattainable that is, but also how it's not very far off. You could you could argue, yeah, the Nationals' drop was even more steep than the Cubs, but the Nationals also their best pitcher was out for the season, and their first baseman, who is a leader on this team and still had I think more to give, uh, sat out this season. And they just re-signed their GM. They just re-signed their, um, you know, their manager. They are planning on making some moves this offseason. They still have so much of that championship core from a pitching and from a hitting perspective. They got young stars in Juan Soto and Trey Turner. And it's not one of those things where, 
know, Anthony Rizzo, very good player, but uh, Chris Bryant has not come close to recreating that 2016 campaign. For the Nationals, Trey Turner and Juan Soto both finished in the top 10 of MVP voting, and there's a lot of statistical arguments to be made for Juan Soto that if the season kept progressing, you know, even if the team wasn't very good, it would be a Mike Trout situation where he is an MVP. So I think the Nationals, you know, I'd much rather be the Nationals right now, to be honest with you, than to be Chicago Cubs. Um, you know, their, their biggest star, Javi Baez, and two of the biggest stars, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez, uh, have regressed and immensely, might I add. They've, you know, this year was, I hope it was an aberration because I love Javi Baez, but it was, I mean, what a far cry from what he was. So while they're dealing with those two guys regressing, you know, those two stars, they have to move on from one maybe, they're in a very difficult spot. You know, I think some of the other teams in the National East want to pull ahead to the Cardinals in that division are also competitive. So the, Nash, the, excuse me, the Cubs have fallen back in the pack in the National League. And they're not competitive in the way that they think they should be. And I think they should be. I really do think that team should be competing for championships still. They've not come close, except for that championship series loss. And actually, they've gone backwards, right? You go from winning the World Series to losing in the, in, in the championship series round to then, uh, I believe, the next season, losing the wild card round, not making the playoffs. This year, they visit again in the weird season. And then they, don't, uh, they score one run in uh, you know, 18 innings against the Miami Marlins. So the regression, the signs are there. Um, I think Theo knows it was time, right? That you know the shelf life uh, was was is a very he's a very self aware guy, very thoughtful guy. Is my impression of Theo Epstein, and I think he is on point with his assessment right now. Chris Bryant and, and, and Javi Baez are both free agents in 2021, so they're having uh you know excuse me 2022 rather. So there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made, and I think it was responsible of Theo to say, look, you know, this is heading in a certain direction, and these are going to be gigantic decisions coming for the franchise. I have made it very publicly clear that I don't think, you know, over a decade is, is the right amount of time to stay. So I'm going to bow out now and allow somebody else to make those decisions. And I think that's very, uh, I mean, that's very commendable. And whatever Theo decides to do, he's decided to take a year off. He is going to be very successful in whatever he decides to do moving forward. And also, too, I think that, you know, the Nationals should appreciate, I think Mark Zuckerman said this, you appreciate Mike Rizzo, a, a GM who has brought a lot of consistency to that job and who is committed to year in and year out building a winner, much like Theo was. And somebody who has been very honest about the situation of the team, somebody that's always put the team first. And I've always respected that about Mike Rizzo. And I think, um, you know, ownership, Groups can be very difficult to deal with, and, and I know Cubs fans don't love the Ricketts family, so um, I, I sympathize with Theo that way. I think he, he handled the fans and the Ricketts family about as well as you could. There was a balance there. I know fans were angry with the Ricketts there towards the back end of Theo's tenure, and a little bit of anger then rubbed off onto Theo, but I think it was largely undeserved, in my opinion, and uh, yeah. I think that is something to note as well. So Theo Epstein, uh, moving on. One last thing before we get out of here, it is the NBA draft tonight. And this just reminded me, and, and all the NBA stuff is going on right now. You know, Locked On's having us do five episodes a week, and it's totally fine. I'm, I'm not upset or angry about that. But, you know, you think about it, I was so excited for your free agency time and for, you know, baseball, talk some more baseball into the offseason as the Nats rebuild and many other teams do the same. All the moves are fun to break down and discuss, 
The issue is that, you know, the NBA free agency came along and it's been miles more entertaining. <laughs> it's been miles more entertaining. Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is an afterthought. And it makes you think about all the things, you know, as reasons why, right? Uh, um, the things that we've talked about on the show are things like, hey, the award shows being scheduled during, uh, you know, during the election night, right? I believe it was the gold gloves were on during the election night, right? Not capitalizing on empty television nights, especially right now when on you no know, Monday or rather Mondays is taken up, but you know, there's some Tuesdays and Wednesdays right now where it's literally just Mac football on. And there is an opportunity there to capitalize, uh, to have, you know, your award shows on to talk about those particular things. And that, that's the, uh, it's one of the first things that we've mentioned, you know, uh, Rob Manford publicly is pretty bad at, uh, you know, talking about his stars, right? Um, Major League Baseball has tried to kind of shift. You can tell it in their commercial shifting towards, you know, look at these, you know, the kids are playing, the kids are having fun. But we still had this conversation about, um, you know, about Fernando Tatis and there's people still in the game who are upset about it. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, this week, the football community, you know, Luke Fickle's running up a score on Eastern, uh, on East Carolina. And for some of you guys who are college football fans, you guys know what I'm talking about. And after the game, you know, um, uh, coach, ECU coach, Mike Houston, I believe is his name, was very upset and was mad. Cincinnati's trying to get a playoff spot. And everybody was like, yeah, kick rocks. <laughs> like, go kick, go kick rocks. And a lot of people are like that too. But, you know, baseball is having an issue where they're trying to become a more fun sport. And I don't think they're positioning themselves well with some of their decisions, right? The NBA draft is a big event. That's tonight. The MLB draft is not a big event. It's not a big enough event. I know it's during the season and there's a reason for that. But there are baseball games usually being played during the MLB draft. So... You know, that's another interesting thing that maybe they could work it out to where there's a day where we stop playing baseball and we have the Major League Baseball draft, right? We can appreciate the new stars who might be coming into the game. And because, you know, this year, um, I, you know, with the way things worked out, the draft happened and there weren't games going on. And so I think uh, a bit more attention got paid to it in the middle of the pandemic. And in this NBA, you know, this NBA draft, the class isn't very good, but a lot of people will be paying attention because of where it is positioned. So I think the way that the league positions itself is very important because right now, sucking up all of the oxygen is basketball. And this should be a time where, you know, the MLB should be promoting stuff like who are the best, you know, pitchers available, who are the best uh, skill players available, you know, tweeting out video packages of certain guys and saying, where is he going to land? And, um, you know, it's, it, it's exciting because yeah, there's a lot of, there is some movement, right? But the MLB needs to work towards a situation where their offseason is as fun as a season because here's the thing. The NBA offseason is like the most exciting part. That's, that's the big thing it's said a lot. The NFL offseason in the draft is gigantic. It is, I mean, the NFL draft and the NBA offseason are two spectacular things that happen. Uh, Ryan Rosillo, it's funny. I was actually thinking about this conversation today because Ryan Rosillo was talking to Bill Simmons and I was listening to them. And they were talking about how Ryan Rosillo said, you know, uh, when I worked at ESPN, they, they, they said, take six weeks off in July and August, so you're ready to go for football season and basketball season, and basically you work through the draft, and he means draft, the NBA draft, in the following June. So you really don't get a whole lot of time off between um, you know, football season, August, and then all the way through the NBA draft. And he then said that as things began to change, especially in 2010, uh, and I think it's Le uh, that's LeBron decision around, you know, yeah, I believe it is, that's LeBron decision time. That is when the narrative shifted. And, you know, July became this gigantic time for the NBA. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's so fun every single year because the, the NBA does a good job of capitalizing off their momentum, having the season end, having the draft follow, 
and then they're able to uh, take advantage and, you know, kind of spin it towards free agency. And so they have their buzz and people talk about the summer and then, you know, um, they're really only out of mind through August and into September and then their season starts in October and people are excited to see the new teams play. They do a good job of capitalizing off of that momentum. So I'd like to see Major League Baseball be able to shift them some things around and do that. I, I know it makes sense to, to do the draft in the summer, and I know there's opportunities. And cool, some of those guys were able to play this year. But that's what I'm saying with kind of change the date, right? And I, I think there is something to be said of, you know, not a deadline for when guys need to be signed, but you know, there needs to be some incentive for teams to start doing it and, and to make it more of an event because teams resting on their laurels, like you're, you're going to get a story out of this. It's going to come out of nowhere and then you're going to get swallowed up by football or something, right? Um, you know, you, you don't want your biggest stars waiting a long time. It's just not good for the sport, them holding out for that long. I mean, imagine, imagine you know, Kevin Durant waiting. Um, you know, the decision was, the decision came in the summer. And I'm not saying I'm not saying do TV style decision type television shows for these players, but you know you want those announcements coming during uh, when the offseason kicks off and when things start get going. And you know it's it's I think it's not that it's bad that Bauer and uh, Springer and Real Muto haven't signed, but you know there's not a whole lot of action around. It. There's not a whole lot of stories around it. Those things are slow. They're they're not going to pick up for a while and. It's upsetting because, you know, we're doing podcasts right now. We're doing five days a week, and I want something to talk about, right? I want to share, you know, my thoughts about some of these baseball moves with you guys. Um, and, you know, I, I want to sh- think about the teams and what they could be. But the the nature of the offseason is not one that pushes things forward. It's not very progressive. It's very slow and plodding, um, and it's going to take a while for us to see. I mean, you know, most exciting Nat signing so far has been uh, Josh Harrison and Yasmani Tomas. So with those two guys, those two guys getting um, getting signed, you know, I, we haven't had a ton to talk about. We do have something exciting coming on this show on Friday. So I'm going to talk to Arm Layton uh, of the Locked On Marlins podcast and the Locked On MLB podcast, the MLB Prospects podcast, rather. Arm has some good information for us. He told me that uh, the Marlins and the Nationals scrimmaged down in Florida a few times. I think it was uh, he's going to give us more details, but. He said he's got some news on some of the Nats' young arms. So he has some performance reports. He heard some, uh, you know, some stuff coming out of there about how guys looked. And I'm really, really interested to hear about some of the young names and how those guys perform in some of those scrimmages. Because think about those guys. They didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to play a whole lot. They didn't have a whole lot of uh, many opportunities to get reps. So I think that's exciting um, in addition to what we're seeing um, to what we're seeing, you know, now a free agency. So, you know, hopefully we can get some more news coming. Hopefully we can get you guys some more Nats talk, some more information because there's some stuff I'm, I want to wait on to do, right? Like I want the Nationals to sign some free agents before we go on and we start doing the, uh, I'm really excited to do this. You know, we're going to do the Nats best 11 all time. And then um, Connor Jones and I, what we're going to do is we're going to have a couple episodes where we have all the Nationals players. We're going to make some qualifications and then we're going to both draft teams. Uh, we and I are going to draft teams. Uh, we're going to you know make our, our Nationals teams. Um, then we're going to put them, you know, I might put them head to head or something in uh, an MLB The Show and see what happens and ask other people uh, 
of how they think these two teams would fare. So that's something exciting I want to do. The problem is, is that, you know, with all the free agency news and stuff going on, I don't want to do those episodes and put those out and then have some big news and have those get drowned out because those will be very fun shows. So, you know, that, that's another reason why I guess, I, you know, a little bit selfishly, I want the MLB offseason to get going so I can, you know, get some of that news to you guys and also, too, we can do some of the fun offseason stuff that we have planned. But I'm really excited to talk to Arm Layton on Thursday night, have that show out for you guys Friday, some big reports about what the Nats arms, young arms, were doing down in Florida uh, against the Marlins in, in kind of a practice scrimmage type scenario. So we'll have that for you guys. Make sure you follow the show at LO underscore Nationals on Twitter. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And make sure you guys stay safe out there right now.